This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by Eventide Investments. They believe that investing is more than just returns. It's an opportunity to partner with companies that align with your values and are making a positive difference in the world. Learn more at eventideinvestments.com. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Proverbs 27, 23, and 24. Hi, I'm Rob West. Those are wise words, especially when it comes to investing. These days, we have several ways to invest our money, but each requires a certain amount of oversight. Today, we'll talk through your options, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, today our flocks and herds are likely to be stocks and bonds, and you certainly do need to pay attention to them no matter which method of investing you choose, and I'll go over three of them today. The first would be the do-it-yourself approach, sometimes called self-directed investing. Why would you choose this method? Well, most likely because you don't like the idea of paying fees to someone else to manage your investments. And of course, if you choose to go it alone, you really have to stay on top of things. That doesn't mean you watch the market every day and decide to buy or sell at the drop of a hat. No matter which style of investing you choose, it must be for the long run. So here's the key to a successful DIY approach. You have to keep your emotions in check no matter what the market is doing. These days, technology allows you to make a trade with the push of a button, but you still have to stay disciplined and stick to a long-range investment plan. And even though you're taking active control of your investments, you can still put your money into mutual, index, or target date funds that lower your risk and reduce or eliminate the need for frequent trading. The greatest danger in self-directing your investments is that you'll fall victim to market swings, selling out of fear when the market takes a tumble, or buying out of greed when the market is hot. You have to keep your emotions in check and stay the course. Uh, Let's move on to investing method number two. It's using what's known as a robo-advisor, but it doesn't have anything to do with actual robots. Uh, Sorry, sci-fi fans. A robo-advisor is actually sophisticated software, and they're now offered by most of the big online brokerage houses like Fidelity and Vanguard. So how do robo-advisors work? Well, you input some basic information, such as your age and retirement goals. The robo-advisor then recommends a diversified portfolio tailored to your needs, with an emphasis on low-cost exchange-traded funds and bonds. The benefit is that you get prepackaged investing advice, tailored to your needs, but at a much lower cost than from a human. For an annual fee of around 25 basis points, or one-quarter of one percent, the robo advisor will automatically rebalance and diversify your portfolio as needed. Now, we've talked about managing your investments yourself or getting a robo-advisor. The third option is to hire a real, live financial advisor. This would be for folks who want more than just investing advice. As the name implies, a financial advisor can assist you in all areas of your finances, from investing to tax strategies and even estate planning. 
Financial advisors come with various specialties, but for the widest range of assistance, you probably want to go with a certified financial planner. They have a fiduciary responsibility to give you advice that's best for you, even if it doesn't make them the most money. And of course, no matter what type of financial advisor you need, you can find one that shares your Christian worldview and values by choosing a certified kingdom advisor. It's easy to do. Just go to faithfi.com and click find a CKA. Now, going with a financial advisor will cost more than the other methods we've talked about, but there are two major benefits with this approach. First, it might actually be the most cost-effective method. How can that be if it's more expensive? Well, that's because the advice you receive will likely more than pay for itself in increased gains and reduced taxes. So it's not really accurate to say hiring a financial advisor will necessarily cost you more because it probably won't. Second, going it alone or hiring a robo-advisor won't get you the personalized service you receive from a financial advisor, especially from one with the Certified Kingdom Advisor designation. That person will take your specific circumstances and needs into account and very often become a trusted friend to help you through all of your financial decision-making. I think that's worth its weight in gold, pun intended. So those are the three investing options. You can try each of them to see which one works for you. All right, your calls are next. 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. We'll be right back. God has entrusted his finances to you. And we at FaithFi have designed our FaithFi app to help you live, give, owe, and grow with that perspective. Our FaithFi app is the leading biblically-based finance app. You can manage your money, get top biblical financial resources, and interact with a community of like-minded believers, where you can ask questions, get answers, and share what you're learning. Go to faithfi.com and click the word app to get started. What's most important to you when it comes to choosing your financial advisor? Someone who's aligned with your biblical values? How about someone who will take the time to explain your options? Certified Kingdom Advisors are professionals who meet high standards in competence and integrity and have been trained to offer biblical financial advice. To find a Certified Kingdom Advisor in your area, visit faithfi.com and click Find a CKA. Welcome back. This is Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls today, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. By the way, you don't have to call. Just send an email, askrob at faithfi.com. That's askrob at faith, the letters F-I dot com. Uh, Let's see. Let's head to Florida. Hi, Michelle. How can I help you? Hi. Um, Yes. So the reason why I'm calling today is because I owe over $100,000 on student loan, and every month I'm paying about close to $2,000 for my loan. So I wanted to know, um, and I'm under Sally Mae. Um, I don't know if I'm sharing too much, but I wanted to know how can I reduce the interest rate and pay my loan faster? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, the, these are federal loans um, and or no, is this so this is a private loan. Is that right? It's private. Yeah, so it's a private loan. Uh, so the, the first thing you could do, if it was a federal loan, I would say you probably don't want to refinance it because you'd lose uh, the uh, ability for income-based repayment if you needed it. But if it's private, uh, then, you know, you could refinance it. Now, uh, rates have gone up, so you might be able to fire, fire, uh, refinance to a lower rate, but there's a good chance that you won't. So that'd be the first question. The second is you can automate your payments. Um, you know, lenders will often offer a quarter of a percent discount on the interest rate for auto payment. And then you could perhaps get a loyalty discount of another quarter of a point. But apart from that, there really aren't a whole lot of options to get that rate down, especially in this environment where rates are up on everything. In terms of being able to pay that down quicker, I mean, I realize it's a big number and it's probably weighing on you. So I would just, you know, focus on limiting your lifestyle as much as you can so you can free up as much margin as possible, just so you can be really diligent in your payments over and above your regularly scheduled payment. I realize it's going to take some time, but um, I think, you know, from this point forward, I would just try to focus on, you know, just send an extra each pay period uh, as you're able to and try to get that knocked down. Unfortunately, it's, there's not any quick fix for that for sure, but um, we appreciate you checking in with us. Uh, you'll get there. I'm confident you will just hang in there. Let's head to Naperville. Hi, Belinda. Thanks for calling today. Go right ahead. Hi, um, I have a question. Actually, it's more so some concerns. Um, I'm approaching um, my um, senior years, and I've gone through the process to purchase an investment property, even up to the point where I've gotten a pre-approval. But I'm concerned because, like I said, I'm approaching my senior years, and I'm wondering if now would be a good time for me to actually do that. And then um, the reason I wanted to do it is it could supplement my um, my Medicare benefits. So I see. Yeah. So tell me what it is specifically you would be doing. You're going to buy a, a piece of real estate, maybe a, a home, and then rent it out? Or what were you thinking? Um, it's actually a multifamily. It's like a three-flat. So, yeah. Okay. All right. And have you ever done this before, Belinda? Do you have any experience in this? No. This is my first time. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, you know, in terms of what would come along with that, obviously, you know, you would have to have somebody in place to take care of the marketing of it, to try to make sure you keep it rented. Uh, you would have to maintain it. So, you know, if the there's a plumbing problem in the night or, you know, a, a particular issue with the property that needs to be maintained. Somebody's going to have to be there to, uh, you know, deal with that. Uh, when tenants move out, if there's damage, that has to be, um, you know, repaired and and then, you know, put back out uh, to market it to keep it rented. So, uh, you know, this real estate is a wonderful investment. I'm not negative on real estate at all. I just want to make sure that it's a good fit for you because it's anything but a passive investment in the sense that it does require a good bit of work to be able to maximize the property and generate the kind of income that you're looking for. And given this season of life for you and the fact that you've never done this before, that would be an initial caution for me just in terms of whether, uh, you know, this is a good fit for you, even before we look at financially, whether you're able to do this. So give me your thoughts on that. 
Um, I kind of agree with what you're saying. And I also have a son that, you know, he's a homeowner and he did tell me exactly what you just told me that um, it would be better for me to get someone to manage it. You know, if I decide to do that, that it would be, you know, kind of hard for me to do it on my own. So he's actually helping me walk through the process. But again, my concerns were because of, you know, the age factor and then the actually the debt because I don't have any debt. This would be the only debt that I have. And, sure. you know, it'll be a lot of debt that I'm taking on. So it's like, sure. do I really want to do this? You know? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that side of it for a moment. Um, what would you be looking to spend and how much would you need to borrow roughly? I have the approval up to $400,000, but I don't intend to spend that much. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Have you started looking at some properties yet? I have. Yep, I have. Right. And the ones that I've been looking at so far, they're in like the two twenty-five to like $300,000 range. Okay. And how much would you be putting down on that purchase? It's going to be a FHA 3.5 that I know of so far. So yeah, 3.5%. So I have like about 20000 that I want to put to the side for that. But of course, okay. if I have to put more, that's not a problem. But I really don't want to do more than that. Yeah, you know, I'm not terribly excited about this, uh, Belinda, for a couple of reasons. Number one is housing prices are still quite high and interest rates are high. I I don't think you're going to be able to find anywhere close to a 3.5% mortgage, especially for a rental property. That's probably going to be up around 7 And although the housing market has softened, um, we still haven't seen a significant decline in the housing market, really any decline. And so you're still going to be paying very high prices. And for a rental property, if it was your primary residence, I'd say I'd like for you to go in with 20,000 down, or excuse me, 20% down, which would be 60,000 on a $300,000 purchase. And for a rental property, I'd rather you have as much as 50% down. And the reason is, I wouldn't want you to have a, a, a large uh, mortgage payment debt service, we call it, that would require you to have this fully rented in order to be able to service the debt. Because if we get into a recession, and that's what most economists are predicting, that we're going to have at least a mild recession, most think it's going to be a, a bit more than that, uh, you know, you could find that the rental prices come down, even though your mortgage is still locked in where it is with a high interest rate. And you might find yourself without a tenant for a period of time or tenants. And if you have then a big mortgage payment that you're not able to cover, you might find yourself in a situation where you're being foreclosed upon. Um, And so what I'm hearing with the 401k and 68,000 in savings uh, without really any other assets, trying to go in and buy a rental property in your 70s that you would then have to not only service the debt, but hire uh, a, a property management company. Uh, I just don't feel like you have the assets to be able to do that. If you were to say to me, Rob, listen, I could go in there and put 150000 cash down and still have my retirement assets and you know be able to service the debt with only one tenant out of three or something like that, that would be a different story. But I think based on what I'm hearing, my opinion is you don't have enough in the way of assets to do this. And so I think for that reason, I would pass. I'd probably keep this in liquid savings and just focus on 
keeping your 401k invested so you can at least maintain what you've got, if not grow it slightly, and then look to that to be your your supplemental income as an income stream over time. Um, I've got to take a break, but I want to get your thoughts on that, Belinda. So you and I will talk off the air. We're going to take a quick break and back with much more. Stay with us. Are you struggling to fit your faith into your practice as a Christian financial advisor? The Certified Kingdom Advisor designation teaches you a step-by-step process to confidently deliver advice that aligns with Christian values. Discover the skills you need to help your clients make a kingdom impact. Get started today by enrolling in the CKA educational program at kingdomadvisors.com slash get certified. That's kingdomadvisors.com slash get certified. We are grateful for support from Praxis Mutual Funds. Praxis Mutual Funds has seven impact strategies that are designed to create positive real-world change. More information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses are contained in the prospectus and summary prospectus. This and other information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Foresight Fund Services, LLC. I'm so thankful to have you with us today on Faith and Finance as we apply the wisdom from God's Word to your financial decisions and choices. We've got some lines open today. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe you'd like to share what God's been up to in your financial life as you've applied these principles. Let us know at 800-525-7000. Of course, if you have a question today as well, financially speaking, we'd love to hear that also. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. All right, let's head to Coconut Creek, Florida. I know it well. Hi, Lee. Thanks for calling, sir. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. So my thanks. question is, when is it a good time uh, to start a business financially? Well, I think, you know, at a high level, and there's there's just a lot to this, but, uh, you know, it's the best time to start a business is when you know your target audience, when you're financially prepared, when you've made a plan, and you really feel like your product or service uh, is ready to, you know, be presented to the world, so to speak. Um, and, you know, I think there's a whole host of steps to do that. But give me a sense of, of what you're thinking about, and let's talk through it together. All right. So, um, so financially, I, I feel like I'm, I'm set. I, uh, I just recently bought a, an apartment in Coconut Creek. Um, I paid cash for it, but I did take a loan off my 401k, which I have enough money to pay that back. Um, right now I have 70,000 in the bank and, um, a little bit of money in the stock market, but nothing too much, uh, like, like about 10,000 there. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't have, uh, a mortgage. I bought it cash, but I, that money's in the bank. And if I were to pay my 401k off, then I would have about uh, 30,000 in the bank. Okay. All right. So you'd have 30,000 and a 401k with how much in it at that point? The 401k has over a hundred thousand, about 140,000. Okay. And then you'd have a home free and clear. You'd have 140000 in your 401k and you'd have 30000 what I call your emergency fund. And, and what's your age? I'm 38. Okay. So 38 
to have your home free and clear with a, a, more, a 401k well on its way to uh, being a, a significant nest egg in retirement, plus a fully funded emergency fund with no debt. I mean, that would put you in a really strong position. Now, taking on and starting a business is yet another opportunity. I love that idea. Uh, I love the idea of you owning something that could grow in value, meet a need uh, through a service or a product, uh, and then ultimately someday could be sold in addition to the income that it could generate. So that's great. I just don't want you to do that prematurely because a lot of times businesses take longer and more capital to get up and running than you might expect. And I don't want you to eat away at this really strong financial foundation you have to fund a business that may or may not be successful uh, until you have, you know, pretty high degree of confidence that you are ready to do it and you can make it successful and you have the financial readiness to do it. So give me a sense now of, of what you're thinking about for the business. So currently I'm working in, a, in the marine industry. I've been there for about 20 years now. I started when okay. I was 18 years old and I've been okay. in all different areas of the, the company. Uh, you know, painting to I'm a carpenter. And so I I feel I have the confidence to go out and do the same exact thing on my own. Okay, very good. So you'd be a solo shop, just uh, taking on individual client projects. And so have you uh, created a business plan just to determine kind of what it would take for you to get up and running, what expenses you'd need to have both for supplies and equipment as well as marketing uh, and what that would take to get you? going so the equipment i also have as well um i would need a shop to do carpentry work which would cost about three to four hundred well it's probably like four hundred dollars a month uh to rent a, a warehouse and um and then just getting the clientele really so let me ask you this what would be the prospect lee of you kind of doing both of these things keeping your day job and starting to build without, obviously, you don't want to poach clients from your current employer. You need to do this in a way that's honorable and with integrity. But uh, could you start to do some of these projects on the side with clients you would get on your own and begin to build this up slowly rather than just, you know, going, uh, you know, one day just, you know, quitting your job and, and going completely solo? The only thing is time. I mean, yeah. it's like I, I have a, I work till five o'clock at my job now and then going after that to, you know, find or, or do extra work. It's just, yeah. it's just time consuming, you know, so sure. where if I just got a few clients and I started and then word of mouth got around, I, I mean, we're in the boat, boating capital of the world, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, Well, I could certainly appreciate that. I mean, I think the steps are, you know, number one, you define your business in the market demand. You obviously have been in this industry for a long time. I know South Florida well, so I know how many boats there are and what the need is. Second thing you do is you write a business plan and you don't have to be, have an MBA to do it. It can be as simple as one page, but you just need kind of a three to five year guide that will help you map out how you start your company and, and run it, uh, what you're going to offer, who your target customer is, what you're going to charge, how you're going to fund it, how you're going to market it. Uh, you know, all of those things, maybe you start looking just to make sure that the demand that you know you think is there is in fact there. Uh, you need to determine how you're going to fund it. So go ahead and def- 
determine what expenses you're going to have so you know exactly, you know, what it's going to take to get you up and running. It sounds like apart from, you know, renting a warehouse, it's going to be very minimal because you already have a lot of the gear. Uh, You're going to need to determine your business structure. So you're going to have some startup costs for accounting work and legal work to be able to set up the company, whether that's a sole proprietorship or an LLC or an S-corp, whatever it might be. You're going to want to register a business name, uh, you know, get an tax identification number, open a business banking account, figure out your taxes, which is going to be dependent on the legal structure, and then get any licenses or, or permits and you know learn the relevant laws and regs. And then finally, you want to set up an accounting system because you're going to want to keep everything separate from your personal finances. So you can take all necessary deductions from the business. And the key there is to make sure that's not intermingled with your personal finances. So you want to keep a business credit card, a business checking account, and then maybe pay yourself a salary each month as you're able to. So I would start to work through those steps, figure out, you know, through based on that business plan, exactly how much money you need, and then start lining up some of these professionals like a CPA and uh, an attorney to get all the business structure set up and then determine the right timing for it. You know, maybe you wait and delay this to the fall to see how the economy shakes out. Or if you feel like you want to go ahead, I would just make sure you work through these steps methodically. Hey, all the best to you, Lee. I'm confident you're going to be a great success, my friend. Thanks for being on the program. Well, that does it for us today. I'm Rob West. Thanks to our amazing production team and to you for listening. I hope you'll join us again next time right here on Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.